you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of the Flip My Fall podcast. This is so personal to me, like the episode, this one. I hope everybody takes the time to listen and dig in because a lot of these are my personal feelings that I think uh, Carlos articulated in his book, The Un-American Dream. Uh, and he has already done three episodes that you guys have probably already heard. Now, if not, go back and listen to the last three Wednesdays. We made this special thing where he interviewed three incredible people. Uh, two of them I, I know uh, personally, so I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy that he did that. And we wanted to wrap this up with this fourth interview by me interviewing Carlos himself and, and really dig in and get vulnerable around a whole bunch of things. So again, Carlos, thank you for, uh, for writing this book. Thank you for doing this series. And then thank you for being so open and honest about everything that's happening in the world today. Oh, you're very welcome, Sangram, and thanks for having me on the podcast. And I, I do thank you for giving me your microphone for a few episodes as well. I, as I've told some of the people that I've interviewed, hosting these podcasts becomes a little addictive because they're so much fun. And I learn so much by engaging with people from all different walks of life. And so it's a pleasure to be on it. And I appreciate your support of this, this project, which is very personal to me. No doubt, man. So I know you for what now, 10 years, maybe now and just uh, been a long time. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen your journey. I've seen you go all over the place. So just really quickly, can you share your just career and, and, and things that you have done and, and, and then really get to the point of like, well, what happened? Right. Like, I think, I, yeah. I think that's the only question I'm going to continue to ask you is like, what happened? Then what happened? And then that's right. what the whole episode is going to be. So, so take us where you started, what were you doing, and then to the point where this became a real thing for you. Yeah, you know, right out of college, I actually started a nonprofit, was in a, a global nonprofit. And that's really where I learned about telling stories and writing good content. We didn't have marketing automation and websites were just kind of coming along. So I, I started there and then I went and I uh, worked for small agency in, in Michigan and learned the whole production side of agency work. And then I left from there and I moved to Dallas and worked for a small agency where the tech du jour was fax blasting. So I'm, I'm uh, dating myself a little bit. And um, oh, believe so it, there is a couple like I think I was with my insurance or somebody and they said, can you fax us? I'm like, what, what are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, right. 1990 call. They want their technology back. So, and then I moved to Dallas and that's where I, I, again, started working for a smaller agency, but that's really where I started to learn about understanding your customer for the first time. And, you know, we didn't have these, the community like we have today of B2B marketers. And so I was given a high tech portfolio. I learned a ton. And then I moved from there to client side and hopped around a little bit, most notably with McAfee, which is now part of Intel and then BMC software. And then it was at BMC software. I took the plunge, the entrepreneurial plunge, and co-founded Annuitus around 2005, where we started off as a lead management consultancy. And I had done that to really just be home more with BMC, although 
I, I would never give back the years I spent there because I met some incredible people and learned a ton. I was just on the road all the time. And at the point, my kids were really small. I just didn't want to do that anymore. So we started Annuitus. And then as we started to grow, we really turned into a demand generation consultancy agency. And uh, things really took off. I, I didn't expect it. I didn't quote unquote plan it. But we started adding employees. We started adding brand name clients. We started to get recognition. In the industry, I had a few people say, hey, man, write a book on demand generation. So uh, that's out there. If you ever have insomnia, I really recommend it. It'll be a great cure. And, uh, you know, you asked what happened. And to be honest, Sanger, my, my ego took over. And I started to find my identity and my worth in my professional accomplishments rather than just recognizing, as I, I, I quote in the book from Kelly Flanagan, my worth is because I have a spark of the divine, just like all of us do. So as, as Annuitus went, so went myself and so went my ego. And I loved people emailing me about my book. I loved people stopping me at a conference and asking me to sign my book. I loved people saying, hey, we want to fly you here to speak. And I, I also, in, in, at the same time, I fell prey to the, the hustle and the mm -hmm. grind. And I put everything I had into my business. I worked long hours. I was never one to say no from going out of the road. And because there's only so many hours in a day and so many days in a week and, and weeks in a year, things had to, to be put on the back burner. And I, I, it wasn't a conscious choice, but I put my family and my, my marriage on the back burner. And really what happened, I had a dark night of the soul moment where everything I thought I had been working for, everything I thought I wanted, it just fell apart. And I, I came smack, smack dab through choices I made into I'm going to be estranged from my kids and be, be a divorced man. And that's not what I want. And so I spent a lot of time, first of all, working on myself so that I could give back the best of me to my family and to my marriage. And, uh, you know, by God's grace, I'm, I was able to write this book and, and write my journey and the journey of some others. And my wife has a chapter in the book, which she tells her side. And so uh, I'm constantly amazed, extremely grateful to be able to tell this story because I don't think I'm unique in it at all, but I just felt it was a story that needed to be told. You know, um, and this like, I'm getting chills as you're talking through this because like, you know, we, we, you know, we started Terminus, you know, four and a half years ago or so. And, you know, the first two, three years, it's like, you know, whatever it takes. Right. And, and, and yeah. hard work is, 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 and I want to make sure people understand the difference between hard work and hustle and, and yep. maybe help us kind of unpack that a little because I, I think people are on this hustle train right now. Uh, there's a lot of people who have hustle on their t-shirts and, right. and their backs and, and stuff like that. And, and people look at that like, well, if you're not hustling, you're not working hard enough. And could you unpack the two words for a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I want to make no mistake. I'm not, I'm not telling people not to work hard. I still work hard. Um, I think there's nobility in hard work. Um, I'm a son of an immigrant who came from Cuba in 1960. And one thing dad did for us as kids, uh, he did a lot of things, but one thing he did was modeled for us hard work. As a teenager, I started working when I was 13 years old and uh, never stopped. So I, I actually like hard work and I appreciate hard work. So I, I think we should be doing that. I think the hustle, where we start to see the, the toxicness of the hustle and what Alex Ohanian calls hustle porn, 
is how destructive it is. First of all, it's destructive to ourselves. And you've got guys out there like Grant Cardone saying, hey, 95 hours a week is what it's going to take, which is absurd. You've got guys like Kevin O'Leary who are talking about it's 24-7, get over it and get used to it. And the list goes on. I mean, I could list so many more guys who are promoting the hustle. Well, it, it, it takes a toll on us. I, I just posted, literally posted a study a half an hour ago from the Sleep Foundation that says, if you're in the age bracket of 18 to 64, which is a great part of our population, seven to nine hours sleep is what is recommended as a, as a foundational piece to your whole overall health. So when you're hustling and working 95 hours a week, that doesn't work. If you're going 24-7, that doesn't work. So that's number one. We're, we're, and then that sleep impacts our mental and our emotional health because we're not thinking clearly. I know when I'm tired, I'm much crankier. Even this morning, I was on a, you know, early morning flight. My wife dropped me off at the airport. She called and I was, I was short. I was terse. I had to call back and go, it's not about you. It is totally about me. But I was tired. I didn't get, I didn't get my seven to nine hours. So I, I think that's where the difference is. We should be working hard. All of us, whoever's listening to this podcast, whatever your role, whatever your job, we should be diligent. We should be working, but we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our relationships to say there has to come a time when that work stops so we can invest and cultivate, as Brene Brown talks about, those things that bring joy and are wholehearted and are part of a wholehearted lifestyle. And the hustle does not call for that. The hustle says your career, your goal, your business is the end all, the, the, the goal. And as human beings, we're wired for relationship. We're not wired to build businesses. Love that. I, that, I, mean, I took so many notes on it. it. It's funny you talk about sleep. And I always felt like, man, I love sleep. Like sleep <laughs> so weird to me. And my wife would tell me like I sleep like a baby because I yeah. like love sleep. And uh, uh, But I like, and that's why like nine o'clock or 9.30, I am like dying to sleep because right. I'm going to wake up and, and do my do the work and whatever it needs to take. But if I don't have at least eight, I'm, I'm having a hard time the rest of the day. And I don't want to be a caffeine addict. I don't want to do all right. the other things that you have to do to keep yourself up. I want to be happy and excited about why I'm up and what I'm doing because it's, we're all fortunate to do what we do today. Yeah. The, what was interesting about this, and I wonder if, if your study and, and thoughts around sleep and the hustle also led to this whole study around loneliness that mm. we see at, at, at the executive level, right? I mean, a lot of people in their early 20s or even at the executive level, you actually start becoming very, very lonely. Because yeah. you can't share everything with everybody. There's stuff going on all the time and you bury yourself in work and stuff like that. I wonder how much of that is now just becoming an American dream. And I think what you're trying to do is like, well, no, that doesn't have to be. Talk to us about like you where the CEO of Anudis. You brought that agency from 2005 to as long as I remember to the limelight. I think at one point, and it's still doing well as you have transitioned to other folks, it's doing really well. And, and you were the face, you were kind of the person at the top making things happen to this point to like, well, okay, we're not, you're not there. That's not your identity anymore. Right. And now what is your identity? How do you reconcile with that? And, and is loneliness was part of any of that? Oh, I was very lonely. I didn't know what it is. And to be clear that I'll, I would say 95, if not 99% of that was self-inflicted because I wasn't going to let anybody in. And so I had, because I tied my 
self to the business, I felt I had to always be on. And, and, and again, I want to be clear, we did well, but it wasn't like I was the CEO of Apple. Um, yeah. I was the CEO of a small B2B agency. But I, I think loneliness is actually a societal issue that we're dealing with. And, and I know this podcast isn't about social media, but, I, but the term I start, have started using is social loneliness. Because mm. we hide behind our screens, we, we talk about, and what we do is we present our Facebook lives, which is about the 5% mountaintop experiences that we're privileged to have as human beings. I, I've never seen anybody post on Facebook, hey, woke up this morning, wife and I had a really big argument. I was not too kind, neither was she, and stormed <laughs> out the door, spilled coffee, and it's just been a really crappy day so far. We don't yeah. post that stuff. And, and I'm not saying we should, but I think we, we have a societal issue in loneliness. So part, part of what really started the loneliness, and I, I chronicle it in the book, is when I was laid off in 2001. And I got some bad advice from some people said, you know, just keep a stiff upper lip and uh, never let them see you sweat and don't worry about it. Well, I had just built a house. My wife was seven months pregnant with yeah. our youngest son. And I took that advice. And so I didn't communicate with Suzanne. She did not want me to feel bad. So she didn't communicate. And so both of us, even though we were married, three young children with another on the way, we both just kind of started to, to drift apart and um, in our communication. And so I think one of the things that we need to be able to do is, I, I don't know if it's a wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, but establish those relationships where we can say, even if you're at the executive level or a manager level, you know, work, work has been really stressing me out in this. And, and Suzanne and I now have those conversations. Just the other day, I said to her, I, I don't know why. I'm just feeling anxious. I'm feeling overwhelmed. We have a lot going on. We've got, you know, we had a son get married and all these things. And I was just feeling like in that moment, like, oh, I just need to take a deep breath. And, mm -hmm. and typically, you know, go back four or five years, I would have never said anything. That manifests itself somewhere. Right. And uh, so now I communicate those things. And so I was very lonely. And I know she was very lonely because I wasn't there. And I had, I had put the business ahead of that relationship. And so, you know, that's really called neglect. Yeah. And when you're neglected in a relationship and, and she opens her chapter and I applaud her for being so open and honest with, she says, in a word, it was lonely. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why the chapter is called A View from the Other Side is what was it like to be married to this unhinged workaholic? And I found myself very, very lonely. And I can say now my identity is not tied up in Vism CX. Uh, it's not tied up in the un-American dream. It's tied up in the fact that I really like who I am. I continue to work on who I am. I, I want to leave the world a little bit better than when I came into it. And as I mentioned, that spark of the divine, I, uh, there's, a, there's a quote I, I use in, the chap, in one of the chapters from Oprah Winfrey. It says, being, bo be being born is your, something about being your birthright uh, to mm -hmm. worth. You know, we all have unique gifts. We all have unique strengths and talents and things like that. That's where my identity is today. Yeah. I love that, man. All right. So for people who are listening, define for them what is, what should be their new American dream, as opposed to the yeah. standard, what they, they have, maybe just share a little bit about what people might think is your American dream, because you're literally pulling people in a, in a different direction. And some of yeah. these 
people who are listening might think like, wait a minute. So what is the American dream? Like, isn't it not to work hard? And like, if, you know, quite honestly, like just said before you share that, in our own company at Terminus, we have unlimited vacations, unlimited vacations. That's a, and that has become a standard in most companies now. And I, I was talking to someone on the team. He's like, man, I haven't taken a day off since January. I'm like, why haven't you taken a day off since January? He's like, well, I got these product things that I'm just trying to get done. I'm like, you, do you know? Unlimited, like, what is right. stopping you? Who is should have kicked him out the door? Right. So literally have to like ask him and ask his manager, like, you need to now manage down and make sure that your team is healthy and they're taking vacations and yeah. stuff. Now we have to, we thought by not having vacation policy, we're taking away processes out, but we're now implementing a process to get, make sure that people go on vacation, right? So what is wrong with us? But tell us what is wrong with us and then tell us what should be in a minute. Well, well, I actually talk about that a little bit, and it's it's amazing because I keep seeing research where I'm like, oh, I wish that had been in when I was writing, right? And <laughs> But I, I do talk about a study that was conducted where we believe, and again, I think it's part of the identity problem. And actually, the term that the researchers used was this belief that I am, if I'm busy, and if I'm continuing to work, and I'm showing up, and I'm putting the long hours, I'm adopting this belief that I am the scarce resource. That, and I know I believe that, right? The, the world couldn't go around. Meetings couldn't happen. Conferences couldn't happen unless the almighty Carlos was there. And it's just not true. We are all replaceable. And I do remember Suzanne saying to me, gee, if you have to be at all these things and, and kind of, uh, these are my words, not hers, but handhold your, your team, then you're a really bad CEO because you didn't hire good people. And she was 100% right. And to be clear, we hired great people. This was my issue, not theirs. And so I think we have this idea that I have to, and there was just a story I read yesterday, and I think it was something like 36% of millennials did not take a vacation more than four days last year or four nights. Crazy. It's insane because we're, we're, and so then you say, okay, is this a culture issue in your company or is this the scarce resource and an identity issue? But you asked about the American dream. And so I quote Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, The American Dream, which has everything to do about materialism, number of cars, houses, et cetera. Actually, my dad has a quote in the book about what his view of the American Dream is coming from fleeing the, the, the Castro regime in 1960. But rather than have me define it, I want to go back to John Truslow Adams, who in 1931 actually coined the term the American Dream. And in his, in his definition, he says it's not a, solely about the number of motor cars. And for those who are going, what is a motor car? It's an automobile. And uh, so here's, what, here's part of what he says. He says it's a land that should be better and richer and fuller for everyone. And in our day and age, that is such a key thing for everyone, regardless of race, creed, gender, nationality, sexual orientation. And then he says, with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement, it's a dream of social order in which each man and each woman shall be able to attain to the fullest stature of which they are innately capable and be recognized by others for what they are, regardless of the fortuitous circumstances of birth or position. And so when you take that Right. I mean, that just, yeah, when I read that, I was like, oh my, I I got goosebumps. So then you take that and you say, so what did our forefathers mean when they said it's our inalienable right uh, 
or the pursuit of happiness. And, and there was a, and I actually talk about that in the book as well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That word pursuit wasn't that, hey, we get to chase and we get to hustle after happiness because people and things are not responsible for our happiness. What they really meant when they drew up that Declaration of Independence was it's ours for the taking. We obtain happiness and it's ours to choose if we want it. And so to me, that is the American dream. And I have spent time in third developing world countries where people have so much less than we do. Some of their stories are heartbreaking of what they've been through and they are happy and they have chosen to be happy without material things. I put a post yesterday on LinkedIn. I was flying back and the flight attendant mentioned, he said, hey, there's no internet on this flight. And you would have thought, he just said, we're all going to have to walk with 50 pound packs on our back. (laughs) The plane, I thought it was going to be a revolt. And then I loved what he said. He said, yes, folks, you're going to have to talk to each other. (laughs) Right. And so think about the American dream. It's should be first about what are we doing to foster wholehearted living and, and happiness. And again, I'm very clear, if, if you and your significant relationships have decided our happiness is going to be tied in growing a business and we're going to sacrifice holistically as a unit to reach that goal, who am I to say you're not living your dream? But I see so many people and I talk to so many who are miserable, who are unhappy, they're unfulfilled, they're exhausted, their relationships are in shambles, but they're, they're building quote unquote successful businesses. I don't define that as success. Yeah. Oh man, I love, I love it. I, I took like so many. <laughs> I'm going to share a couple of high level thoughts and then I would yeah. love to give everybody a challenge. Challenge to, to have another dream or, uh, or to take a step back, whatever that is to, to, to reclaim in some ways their American dream, their version yeah. of it. I feel like myself as an immigrant, I feel like, oh my goodness, we we're, we think we have too much right now already as a family. And I've been here like for the last, what, 15 years or so. And I feel like, oh my goodness, we are actually take, taking our kid, Krish, from a uh, from a public school to a private school where, so not to pay more money, but where they actually have no tech so that he can actually go back to having conversation on a chalkboard. And, and like, I'm literally thinking of doing that right now because I feel right. like, goodness, he's like, he's going to figure out tech and everything. Sure. And the age of eight, he doesn't need to do everything on tech. There's no reason for that. So right. crazy stuff is happening in our own household to re- reconnect on at some of these levels. So it's a couple of big things, big themes for me uh, from this. First of all, the, the identity problem and the identity crisis is real. And there's been times in my life for sure where I personally felt like my identity is terminus. Right. And, and I still haven't like fully decoupled from that uh, one way or the other, but I have, I feel like grown up a little bit uh, yeah. understanding what that really means. And it's a process. It is a process. And uh, if the more you tie yourself to just one thing that is physical in nature or time dependent, um, the harder it will be for you to, to grow yourself is what I've learned from, from this. Yeah. The identity crisis is, is real. I love that you introduced a new concept, at least for me, which is this idea of social loneliness. I think that is 
total hashtag that people should do, do and talk about that yeah. on social about loneliness. Right. I think uh, I was at an event a few weeks ago called Praxis in New York, and there were they were all these people that were talking about these studies, not only about sleep but also loneliness, and yeah. they said that the loneliness is as high as what if it were test in 1950s, if they were actually doing the same test that they're doing right now, they would put people today, average person, the amount of loneliness and anxiety that is created for them into a mental hospital. Wow. Take that for a second, like really every, like the normal average anxiety level and loneliness level that people have today, if it, if it was 1950s based on their ratings and charts, they would actually put people in psychiatric like wards and, and, and mental places for them to be taken right. Off because they feel like they need need help. So sure. this is true. This is really happening, and we all need to really, really love that. And then the uh, man, I, I love that you brought up Declaration of Independence because I read it and um, I've talked about this before. And I love the word pursuit. And to me, as an immigrant, that meant that look, you, pro- you or I or we all, we may never all be 100% happy in, in, in everything we do or we want everything because whatever we want, we want more of it. That's just unfortunate yeah. human nature. So it's a pursuit and, and we have to be very careful of what we are actually pursuing. And I we think fathers were had a lot of foresight around the idea that it's a pursuit. They didn't say and happiness. They could have very easily just said and happiness. Right. They didn't say that. They said pursuit. So a lot of, lot of other things that we'll add in the show notes. What is the one challenge you want to give everybody? I mean, obviously, they all should go and buy this book and get this and read this because that's going to really help them rethink about the stuff that nobody's really talking about. So thank you for bringing that up. But what is the one challenge you want to share, Carlos, with everybody? You know, I would say to, to, to take a real honest assessment. So if you're listening to this show tonight, and, and I, was, I was given a challenge when I was wrestling with leaving annuitous to say, promise me today you'll do one thing to start to extract yourself because you know what you need to do. You just need the courage to do it. And I will always be tremendously grateful for Andrew Davis having the having his courage and bravery to say that to me um, and taking that risk because it was a catalyst for me to, to take that step. And so what I would say is if you're listening to this podcast, if you're driving home, driving to work, make a note and say, it's tonight, I'm going to take a step to start to evaluate. And you may evaluate and say, you know what, I'm exactly where I need to be. And this is, this is great. And I am, I'm doing everything I can both personally in my relationships to cultivate and deepen those relationships and, and also cultivate and, and give everything I have when I am working. But have an honest talk with those relationships and say, what do we really, really want? And I have a chapter in the book called Skip to the End. So if you could write the script, what would it look like? And, and you'll be surprised that, you know, people say, oh, well, I need this much. Really, do we? We are so blessed. And, and so, like you said, you know, we, we, what I have found and what I have worked on over the last number of years is contentment. And I am, I can honestly say where I'm at today, I, I don't want for anything. Yeah. And other than to help people avoid some of the same mistakes I made. And so have that honest conversation. And if you hear answers you don't like, also understand, it's not that your significant relationships are not being supported, supportive. They're just telling you the truth. And what I had to come to terms with was when my family would say to me, could you not travel? Could you be more present? Could you, you know, step away from the computer or step away from the phone home or phone? They weren't saying to me, 
we don't support what you're doing. What they're saying is we want you, we want you present and we want you available. That's a huge compliment. Yeah. If somebody wants that attention from you, whether it's your children or your spouse or your significant other. And so I would challenge you, have that discussion. And it's probably going to be more than one discussion. I will tell you, Suzanne and I still have those discussions. We've had just in, just incredible joy over the last number of weeks uh, and now months starting early April. So it's been a little crazy in the Hidalgo household. It's been manageable, but we spent last week, we, we drove five hours to a friend's wedding and we spent about 45 minutes of that drive having this discussion of how are we doing and, and you know, what did our boundaries look like? And are we still, you know, on the same page about what we're wanting and the nonprofit work that Suzanne does and all of these things. And it was great. So it's not a one-time discussion and we got it. It's something that's continued. That's why I say to people all the time, for me, it's a journey. I don't have it nearly all figured out. It's a process. And as your life changes, as your kids grow, your boundaries and these discussions will take on new form because you'll have some new freedoms that you can take advantage of and some things you probably have to put in the rear view. I love that, man. Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time, doing the whole series. Absolutely. Sharing, sharing from your heart uh, that I think everybody needs to listen. So hopefully people pick up the book and, uh, and share back to you. I, I hope so, Sangram. And, and for those listening, if, if you just want information on the book, go to theunamericandream.com. We'll be putting all the information and links to get the book there, or you can just search for it on Amazon. So truly, truly, thank you so, so much for your friendship, for your support. I have loved watching you. I know we've had conversations at conferences and, and over the phone and on email. So really appreciate the friendship and uh, just appreciate you giving me the opportunity to use the podcast to promote this message. Love it, Matt. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.